Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Happy Monday, everybody. Golly. What? Woo. Wowzers. Man. What a thing that happened this weekend on this radio station. So on Saturday, the Vols in Kentucky played one of the nuttiest, absolutely Ooh. insane oh. college football games oh, I have ever, to watch. Yeah. I've ever seen. Ooh, back and forth, back and forth, man. My life. The kickers were just chilling over there. <laughs> the kickers. Did, they, did they have, they had one punt the whole game? We're looking at the glass at Lucas. Tennessee did not Tennessee force a punt. punt. I don't think. At no, all. Tennessee punted one time. Yeah, did they punt Ken- one. Kentucky did Kentucky not punt. didn't punt. They did not punt okay. once. Yeah, that was a great game to watch. I predicted they would win, but I said they'd blow it out. I'm shocked that the defense did not play better than that. That might have opened up a can of worms for who they have next. Um, <laughs> um, Somebody yeah. name starts with a G. Some team that plays. Oh, okay, happens. okay. But, yeah, man, that was a great game to watch. Uh, And I'm not surprised at all. I mean, I predicted before the season. I know it's funny hearing everybody talk about how great a job Hypo is. I I mean, I didn't – I'm not surprised at all. I thought this is exactly where he would be. Actually, he may get a game better. I said six and six. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're naturally probably going to win seven. So I'm not shocked that maybe that's some national media guys, but even some, uh, you know, people who cover them on a daily basis act like it's a surprise. I I don't. There was talent there. They have just developed the talent. Mm-hmm. Now, do they need depth to continue to grow and have success in the SEC? Yeah, yes. but they have too deep. So stop saying that they don't have players. <laughs> don't say that's not true. They have too deep at every position. Now, offensive line probably is the the weakest link to me. If they once they start having injuries, uh, and maybe defensive line, uh, but that's on the outside pass rushers, mm-hmm. not necessarily inside. I think those guys have played above average, but. Uh, Man, what an awesome game, and uh, only great to see Elante Taylor get the interception, which was the difference for a TD. Uh, and it almost reminded me of KB, Kevin Byers. Yeah, yeah, that right up the sideline. And uh, I, didn't, I didn't see Byers dance. Did he do a dance? I missed that one. But Elante Taylor then was in the, in the injury after that in the, in the tent. I don't know if he hurt his ankle while he was dancing. <laughs> everybody was talking about they get free cookies because he's got a – his cookie account. Yeah, he yeah. Got, yeah, he's got a cookie deal. So, yeah, touchdown. He, they, like, everybody on the team was thinking cookies. They weren't thinking about we we got an interception for a touchdown. We lead, and they think about we get some cookies. <laughs> well, Kevin Byard got his cookies, too, uh, last <laughs> night. He did. Um, Lucas, yeah, he do we did. have the sound from Byard? This goes to something Blaine has been talking about with him and trusting his eyes in situations. I, I think this may be Byard sort of explaining what he saw and what he did. I mean, really, like you said, play recognition, um, to be honest. I really wasn't supposed to be over there. But, you know, pre, pre-snap communication, me and Jack Rabbit kind of anticipating, like, you know, quick game or whatever. And as soon as I seen the quarterback, his shoulder was open. I just took off and, and went and picked the ball off. Uh, oh, he said something that I've always said about how do you read the quarterback. Everybody thinks you're supposed to look at their head and their eye. Well, it's really hard to see their eyes. You can't manage with their heads, but they always going to give you the tip with your shoulders. Their shoulders tell you where they're going to throw. And that's what, exactly what he said, their shoulders. And I thought he was – they played that defense earlier in the game, but he was more like a robber. Like, and when I say robber, I mean it's like he didn't have to backpedal. He would just stand there and read. That's when he's at his best against passes. And he saw this play before, I'm sure, and said, I'm going to jump that the next time. Yep. And he didn't hesitate one hour. You know what I call that? Playing freely. That's when you've reached a level of confidence in your ability that even if you see it wrong and you make a mistake, you don't care. 
There are no repercussions. And that's how athletes want to play. He said, I wasn't even supposed to be over there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, he wasn't afraid that if he wasn't and he made a mistake, that it was going to cost him. That's where you want to be as an athlete and as a, for sure, a professional athlete. But that's where you want to get to as a player, period. When I say I was checking plays and changing plays and sometimes I was right, sometimes I was wrong, I didn't care about the repercussions. When I got, I'm still going to get chewed out either way. So why do I care? Yeah, so you have to get to I don't care mode when you play sports and not fear that you're going to fail, but you got to believe in your ability. And that's where he's at. He's at an all-time high right now. He, he's playing elite. You said that something very similar about him when he got the pick that essentially was able to seal that last overtime game against Indy mm. where he, he came down to Another make that. time. Right, and you said, well, you can say what you said. It was very similar to, to this deal yeah. about him seeing something with his eyes and trusting it and right. saying, I'm going after the ball. Well, the combination route, this happened to me when I was in Philly. It was a combination route where they run a go with a seven. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He didn't fear that they may run a post behind him because right. that's how you keep the guy in the hole. He was playing the hole or quarter coverage to stay there and not go. He just took off immediately once he saw the seven. He watched the quarterback's shoulders and was out the gate and said, I fear nothing as far as if I make a mistake and they throw behind my head. He went off his instinct. That's when he's at his best. Let him free roam and go instead of trying to make him the man guy or match him up on the tight end and the slot and blitzing. You want to mix those in every now and then, but let him just play with, with his freedom and his instinct at playing that free safety kind of ball hawking type guy. He is one of the best. Are you seeing how much different? Well, obviously he's playing. He's playing like his old self. He's playing free again. Mm-hmm. Well, the- now, now, don't get me wrong. Pressure makes those things happen, and and, that, and that, that helps him out a lot. Yeah, because there's a clock in your head as a DB that the ball has to be out at a certain amount of time. So you know you know that, and, and it's a field thing, especially at you know deep, you know in the deep half or quarter or middle of the field. Are they deploying him differently this year, or do you think just he's just feeling better? He's just feeling more free, or are they using him differently? Are they just letting him maybe? do some things to be himself that they didn't really let him do last year based on his assignments? Uh, I can't say that. I, I just think he's playing better with pressure uh, and he's playing more freely uh, with that, within the defense. Uh, and I think at times, once you like make a mistake, here's what happens. The coach then starts overcoaching you, and then you become second-guessing yourself, and you're watching the tape, and you go, why didn't I drive that? It's happened to me before. Is, uh, that's how I know. And you say, dang, man, I, I knew they were running the seven route. I studied them. I knew he was going to run the seven route, but I had to stand my responsibility because the coach kept going, stay in the hole, stay in the hole, because, oh, I got beat two games ago on it. Mm-hmm. So that's what happened. And then that little hesitation costs you. Yeah. It's over. Uh, so I think that's when I say freely, there is no hesitation in this game. I'm going to go with what I see and believe, and I'm going to react based off my film study and then let his natural instincts take over. Uh, I don't know if they're really employing. I, I would say they're letting him be freer, Yeah. Uh, but I don't think that's playing because if some team's motion or not, I don't know if he would go down and Hooker, you know, Hooker played well too, I thought, in this game. He was a really good tackler. He brought the heat every time and, you know, in the open field. I mean, so, yeah. I think, I think he's playing where he's naturally gifted, just a gift that he's got. The history tells you, even in college. This dude's a ball hawk. Doesn't matter. Let him be that guy. And that's how you change games.
Let your stars do what they do best. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes, you know, he has so many talents, and that's why I say I can't really say the coaches are implementing anymore because you want to put them on the best players. Well, usually they put him on Kelsey last year they did. That's what something they would have done. Well, this year they put Quickshank on him. Yeah. So then they let him be free. Uh-huh. <laughs> see? Then what does he do? Chase down the quarterback, punch out the ball. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Ball hawk interception to close out Jaguars. Yeah. He basically closed out this game. He sure did. I mean, and you know, so yeah, he's uh he made his mark on uh him and Big Jeff and Audrey up front. Man, am I proud of those guys, uh, especially Big Jeff in that he's a young player. He's only twenty four. Had three sacks before halftime. Uh I said that was the next level he needed to get to was pass rushing. Now, not expecting him to get three sacks a game. I want him to impact the passer, though, not just the running game. Right. Every game. Uh, because, you know, they were still trying to double him. You could still impact the game. Archery was. He was tipping balls, even if he didn't get pressure. Uh, you know, and I think uh, Dupree, Landry, I think all those guys. The front four, I said, had to play great. And I said the offensive line had to play great for them to win this game. I didn't think they were going to dominate the game. The offensive line played average at best. And they were going in the elite defensive line. Uh, and uh, Bobby Hart, I didn't expect him to be starting, <laughs> and Lawan not to he play. Expected it, yeah, but you know, considering he gave up, I think about six pressures and maybe a, even a sack. I thought it was something that you can build on, though, if you got to continue to go with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this is a game where you say you're playing against some of the best pass rushers in this league. You know, top ten mm-hmm. at any point in time in their career, uh, they can put some serious heat on. And guess what? You may have failed a few times, but they, they're they fixable. Uh, so I, I wasn't uh, really perturbed at all about his play. I don't think they changed their offense. Uh, I think they chipped every now and then, but I think they just said, we're going to run our stuff. And he, he, he did okay. I mean, did he do great? No. Did he do maybe a little below average? Probably so. Yeah. But what do you expect? This guy was off the street, by the way, and now's the backup. And then all of a sudden starts – you know, day before he finds out he's going to start. Yeah. Hey, I, hey, man. <laughs> Trust me, there's a panic button that hits you inside, and you have to change this thought process that now you're going from I'm the backup to now I'm the starter. And you've planned all the way along that you thought a possibility that you could start. Yeah. And he was prepared. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I, I thought it was encouraging to see what he did out there. Mm-hmm. Let's get one quick phone call before we get to John Glenn is going to join us in the second segment, but Paul and Franklin is going to join us first on the Mark Spain real estate hotline. Hey, Paul. Hey, Blaine. What's going on? Brother Blaine. What's going on? What's happening with you? Hey man, look, I ain't been able to call all day. I've been working, but Blaine, I have said it and said it over again. The last, Four or five years, this Titans program have drafted the right kind of players with the right kind of attitude, and they made trades for the right kind of players, the right kind of attitude to win a championship. Blaine, mm-hmm. I've been saying this, and I'll say it, brother, because I know you know about physical football because you played physical football. The Tennessee Titans are the most physical football team in the National Football League. And when you're the most physical football team as we are, 
we can go on the road and be in teams to play to our will. We can do that, Blaine. This is a team, Blaine, that we can win it all because of our physicality. It's off the charts. Hey, man, thank y'all for taking my call, and God bless you. Great point. God bless Blaine. Hey, somebody was at the game, and they text me exactly what this caller said. Good friend of mine. Oh, was that your yeah, friend? Because yeah. he referenced you no, a lot in that phone one. call, Blaine. Yeah, yeah, no, that was not. That was not. I would just say his name. Last name is uh, <laughs> Hopper. That was not Hopper for sure. Uh, so you can go from there. But okay. here's one of the things that he said, though. He says, one thing that stood out crazy, crazy noticeable. While in the restroom, the audio was being played from the Rams announcers. And the radio kept saying at halftime, Ramsey, Jalen Ramsey, went off in the locker room at halftime, how the Titans were out-physicaling them, and he was yelling, we are better than them. Our best player is better than their best player. Our worst player is better than their worst player, and they are out-physicaling us. This is from the Rams announcers at halftime, coming back into the third quarter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they out-physical, just like the caller just said. And it was noticeable just watching the game. So that's tip to cap to not only Vrabel, staff, but the players too. They went out there and they hammered them. Sure did. And they didn't want no parts of it. None. Titans, here's a good example. Titans were down by 14 versus the Colts. I'm bringing this up. They kept fighting and came back. Mental toughness. Physicality. The Rams down by 11. Caved in. Couldn't fight, didn't believe, no mental toughness. That's the difference. Going to discuss this and more with John Glennon coming up next from sportsillustrated.com. More Titans talk coming up on Blaine and Mickey on Monday. They give it to Peterson running to the left. All day. Yeah. Touchdown. (laughs) Titans. That's 125 in the career of Adrian Peterson, and that is my personal favorite. Wayne and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone, joined now by our buddy John Glennon at Glennon Sports on Twitter, si.com, covering the Titans. Uh, John, did you have cover Adrian Peterson scoring a touchdown for the Titans on your bingo card as a Titans reporter (laughs) starting the season? It's uh, it's kind of crazy to to think about, isn't it? And somebody also tweeted at me last night. Not not only does Adrian Peterson score his, uh, his first touchdown, but he now has more touchdowns than, than Julio Jones on the uh, on the year so far too. So, who would have expected these things? But we're we're seeing a lot of surprises already for the Titans, huh? What do you think about the running back by committee approach? It was interesting. Um, just just sort of seeing Peterson and and Foreman, as it were knocked the rust off. Peterson hadn't played a game since last January. Foreman did go to training camp with the Falcons and played in the three preseason games, but uh, it had been a minute since either one of those guys had touched the football. Yeah, I, I imagine it's going to take some time you know, for, for both of those guys, obviously, before they're back in, in any kind of top form, and you know, I think Jeremy McNichols has been more of a third down guy, too, so you know, he's not used to uh, you know, getting a lot of, a lot of carries. Um, and then, uh, of course, you have to factor in, you know, the fact that Taylor Lewan is not starting, that, that Nate Davis is not starting either. 
so between all those, you know, issues, pretty pretty much of a, a struggling rushing effort and, and really a struggling offense uh, overall in, in most aspects. Um, but I suspect, as, as I say, you know, the more reps and, and even practices that, that Foreman and Peterson get, you know, I, I think it's going to have to pick up. You know, we heard uh, people who watched the game last night heard uh, Chris Collinsworth, you know, kind of evaluating Adrian Peterson saying, you know, had it, it was running too high. His, his pads were, were too high. And, and that's the kind of thing, you know, when you haven't played in a while, uh, you know, that's the kind of thing that, that you'll do and, and that will improve probably over time. Just like our show hopes to, uh, always trying to improve over time. And uh, John Glennon, a big part of helping us out with that today. He's with SportsIllustrated.com covering the Titans. <laughs> well, J.G., I don't, I don't know if you were at the game, but, man, I expected a good showing. I said it earlier in the week, but not just out physical them and just beating them like that, especially from the defensive side of the ball. Were you surprised or, or do you expect it? I, I, I was surprised. I'll, I'll be honest with you. You know, I mean, maybe we shouldn't be now. You know, this is two really explosive offenses in the last three games that the Titans have shut down. Uh, you know, when, when you look at the, at the Chiefs and the Rams, Titans give up a combined one touchdown in those two games, and it was a meaningless one at that you know, coming in the last uh, 30 seconds of a game. So, you know, I, I think we all expected some progress in the defense this year, you know, because last year was such a kind of a horror show. Um, but, boy, are, are we seeing some real strides here recently. Um, you know, who would have thought that the Titans, after totaling 19 sacks last year, would have 23 already this year, tied for fifth in the league. Um, you know, and, and 10 of those sacks have come in the last three games. So, and, and the thing is, too, you know, we've seen some of the, the next-gen stats. Um, you know, the Titans are getting almost all of this pressure with a four-man rush. You know, they're not needing to, uh, to, to pull a guy out of coverage in order to get after the passer. Uh, leaves them better off in, in coverage as well. And, and as a result, you're seeing some pretty impressive defensive performances, which the Titans will certainly need here if, if their offense continues to struggle as it did last night. Mm. Man, I, I know uh, we're on with John Glennon, and man, keep it real from SI.com, the Titans, uh, I have to say they're, they got to be number one or number two in the AFC, but man, they are showing now why they are before the season Super Bowl contenders. Would you agree with that assessment or not? You know, I, I think I think they're going to have to find a way, obviously, to be better on offense than they were last night. You know, that that running attack, which was you know sixty or seventy yards, is, is not going to cut it. But uh, again, two starters missing on the offensive line, a couple of backs that should get better. You know, so I, I think that offense will get better. But yeah, to me, the biggest surprise, you know, I, I think I, I felt like almost all of last year, even the Titans won the division; they were headed in the playoffs. To me, I always kind of felt I just can't see these guys going too far, honestly, because the defense was so poor. You know, the third down defense was historically bad. Red zone was really bad. And you really just thought there was a huge Achilles heel to overcome. But now you're looking at this defense this year, and you're saying, man, if they can put some games together like that, you know, against the Rams and against the Chiefs as well, you know, if the defense can hold up and the, and the offense can kind of learn to live without Derrick Henry a little bit better, yeah, you know, I, I think they've got a real run. And, and, again, you look at these four teams that they just beat, you know, Buffalo, Kansas City, at the Rams, and at Indy, 
that's a pretty good uh, that's a pretty good run in the gauntlet right there to come away with four victories right there. Mm. JG, man, when did you start believing when watching the game, and I don't want to call it a turning point, that the Titans are going to win this game? It's over. Well, you know, I, I really felt, you know, as soon as the the, uh, uh, the early stages of the game when they were pressuring and sacking Stafford on a, on a regular basis, uh, you know, we weren't seeing that explosive Rams offense. We weren't seeing them, you know, piling up big plays and yards down the field. And when you get those back-to-back plays, uh, you know, the interceptions culminating with the uh, with the Bayard pick six there, you know, I, I think that gave the real indication to everybody that, you know, the Titans defense was going to give the Rams offense, you know, everything they, they could. So, I, you know, I, I kind of thought at that point, uh, again, if you can just have an offense that is good enough at that point, and, and to their credit, the Titans offense did drive for, for two touchdowns. Um, you know, so I, I really thought that uh, early on they were giving indications this is going to be a long day for the Rams offense and that they had a, they had a real shot at things. With where their record is now, not only do the players get the recognition, but the coaching staff and the head coach, where would you put him right now, uh, I guess halfway through the season, for uh, coach of the year in the NFL? Uh, you know, I, I think he's certainly got to be, uh, you know, high up there. I think he's definitely in the, in the mix at this point, you know, especially when you consider the amount of injuries that the Titans have dealt with mm, this year. Mm. Uh, um, you know, we mentioned the offensive line just last night, uh, obviously Derrick Henry, uh, you know, but you look defensively too. Christian Fulton hasn't been able to play much. Uh, you know, Bud Dupree has, has been kind of spotty uh, at, at best. Um, you know, the, the hooker was, was out for a while, too, and, and I believe, you know, the Titans have more. I'm, I'm not positive of this, but I believe the Titans have more man games lost due to injury than any other team. So generally speaking, you know, a team like that, uh, it's doing all it can just to kind of keep its head above water and stay in the playoff race. Not only are the Titans doing that, but they're kind of running away with the division and, and uh, you know, uh, again, if they can keep it up, uh, you know, certainly have the uh, have, a, have a pretty decent chance at becoming the the conference's top seed. So I, I think you know you got to give a lot of credit to, to Mike Rabel at this point. Mm. Lastly, JG, I, I guess do you know any information or more information about why Lawan did not play in this game? He was just more for emergency, or if they got down to the last guy they were going to play him. Yeah, uh, weird situation again. You know, about halfway through the week, all of a sudden he appeared on the injury report with a, with a knee issue, um, and and didn't practice Friday, if I recall correctly, but was still listed as as questionable. Uh, um, but uh, you know, I guess we can only assume until we talk to to Mike Vrabel here in a little bit today that that maybe he had a little tweak of of that knee as well. Um, but it, I think it has to be a concern now for the Titans because. You know, not only was there that original ACL, obviously, that kept him out so much last year, but this is two games now where he hasn't played because of, you know, uh, kind of kind of sliding or, you know, backslides on that injury and, and tweaking the knee again. So uh, certainly that, that has to be something of a concern when you're starting left tackle is a little bit questionable uh, each game. Well, at some point, drafting uh, <laughs> an offensive tackle the last two years in the first and second round is going to come back and bite the Titans if LaJuan is not available. Yeah, well, yeah, I was, was going to say also, you know, I mean, it's just not a great sign either. I don't think mm-hmm. that, that Dylan Radens, you know, obviously was a second-round pick last year. This is a guy who played left tackle, 
you know, in, in college. Uh, you know, now granted the Titans drafted him as a right tackle and he's been playing, you know, either right tackle or right guard since he's with the Titans, but you would have thought before the season if the Titans were in a, in a jam like they were last night with no Taylor Lewan, and to see them putting Bobby Hart and a guy who was just signed as a street-free agent a few mm, weeks ago Bobby over Hart. a guy, a second-round draft pick who played left tackle in college, Uh-oh. you know, I, I don't think that's a, a real good look, uh, you know, for, for Dylan Raidens right now. Yeah, no doubt about it. Keeping it real here with John Glennon of SI.com. Well, JG, and the other thing is, too, Aaron Brewer comes off of injured reserve and started ahead of Raidens at guard. I mean, he's, he's not only is he not getting on field as a tackle, he got substituted for an undrafted free agent center out of Texas State to play guard instead of him. Yeah, and and of course Brewer is just coming off the uh, the injured reserve, so hadn't played in a, in about a month either. Yeah. You know, and and we heard uh, you know we heard a few weeks ago, offensive line coach Keith Carter. It really sounded as if Raidens had maybe taken some strides, and and you know there was the talk of you know he's right there, he's the next man up, and and uh, at least to me. It sounded as if, you know, Raidens was about to get some more significant playing time. Maybe I, I misread that or misheard that, um, but it's just not happening. And from, from all we understand about Dylan Raidens, you know, great work ethic, uh, great learning ability, um, but it's just not happening right now. And, uh, again, I think it's one thing if Dylan Raidens hadn't started at the beginning of the year, wasn't playing much at the beginning of the year. I think that could certainly be understood, given the Titans had some veterans ahead of him. But, you know, when, when Taylor Lewan is out of a game, when Kendall Lamb, his backup, is out of the game, and, and again, um, yeah, you're, you're using uh, Bobby Hart in at left tackle, and as you mentioned, Aaron Bruin at, at, uh, at guard, uh, right guard, which, which uh, um, you know, Dylan had played quite a bit, kind of makes you wonder where, where his progress is. Uh, speaking of progress, has anybody made any progress at all finding out how some knucklehead changed Jalen Ramsey's first unsportsmanlike conduct call to just something other than unsport? So he just gets to stay in the game. He can just rack up all the. I didn't even know they could change the, the call. Yeah, uh, is, is any that explanation? Strange or I, I mean uh, that I have never Superstar. maybe I'm, I'm yeah. missing, but I had never seen or heard anything like that before. I think we've all seen. You know, officials maybe five seconds after they make a call say, "Oops, mm-hmm. you know, my mistake. Right. I made the call, or right call, or excuse me, I made the wrong call." You know, it shouldn't have been unsportsmanlike. It was unnecessary roughness instead. But this, you know, it was over a quarter later after they had called unsportsmanlike conduct on Jalen Ramsey in the in the first quarter. There had been no announcement of a change. It was still listed. You know, on the NFL's official play-by-play is unsportsmanlike. Mike Brable certainly had been hadn't been alerted to the fact that there had been a change on that call. For all we know, Jalen Ramsey was playing with the, with the idea that he already had one unsportsmanlike call on him. And then, you know, when he gets that unsportsmanlike, to all of a sudden say, "Oh, oops, uh, you know, oh, by the way, did I not mention that we changed that call?" That way, you know, he, he's not going to be uh, ejected now. You know, uh, that. That really opens you up to a lot of scrutiny. I, I think if you're the NFL, it's just you know it's just not a, a good look at all. Maybe he's you know uh, certainly completely above board, and he just forgot to mention at the time. But isn't there a protocol there? You know, at, at what point does that call become the official call? Can can a, you know can a referee say at any point in the game say? Oh no! Uh, you know, by the way, three quarters ago, you know, when I called this, what I what I really meant was such and such. You know, that, that's a that's a big gray area there, and and uh, you know, at some point that call has to stick. 
you can't just say, yeah, I, I forgot to mention it to everybody, but really we changed that. So I, I did mention or I did email the NFL this morning asking about that play, how it came about, what the protocol was, and that was about four or five hours ago, and I've gotten a big Zippo uh, in, in return so far. So, yeah, it's kind of a head-scratcher to me. Yeah, tweet him. John Glennon will leave here and check his junk email filter. Uh, maybe that's where that response <laughs> is from the NFL because that's exactly what all that was last night. John Glennon, our guest on Blaine and Me. Oh, man, you, you just hit on hit. Has the referee – man, I'm a big proponent of just not – even the referees are going to be who they are, and they're going to make mistakes here or there. Man, I tell you what, already in this season, halfway through, refereeing has just been absolutely horrible. And I know it's a hard job, but why are they missing calls like this that they shouldn't I mean, miss? I, I don't understand what's going on here, man. Uh, has the instant replay just made it worse for them? I, I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out. I, yeah, I, I really think that that is the case, Blaine. I, I think that instant replay in a lot of ways has made it worse because, you know, what the referees are seeing in, in split-second time from one angle, we, the, the public, get to see in yeah. slow-motion time from 15 different angles, um, you know, and, and it's much, much easier within, you know, within two seconds' time, we can all go, oh, my God, what, what a horrendous call that was, whereas the, the official in the heat of the moment – uh, you know, doesn't doesn't have that option. Um, so I, I do think that instant replay has, has made things look worse uh, for the NFL's uh, officials than, than it has. But, you know, I, I don't know what the exact solution is. People say full-time officials, but, you know, in, in some ways that, that seems a little bit of a stretch. You know, there, there's only so many games in an NFL season. Um, you know, it, it's hard to, to figure exactly what guys would be doing all the time if they're not – at an NFL game, but yeah, you know, some of those calls we saw last night, again, uh, not only that, that weird Jalen Ramsey situation, but you know, on the other side of things that, that rough in the quarterback passing, uh, against Ryan Tannehill, yeah, I didn't think that you know, was I thought, I thought that was either. terrible. You know, yeah. I, you know, a guy gives him a little shove just after Tannehill throws the pass and, and that's a rough in the passer. I, I could certainly see why the Rams were, were upset about that. So yeah, some, uh, some kind of brutal calls on uh, on both sides of the coin. Mm. We're with uh, John Glennon, with Titans writer for SI.com. I, I guess lastly for me, I, I thought before the NFC had stronger teams at the top for sure uh, and that they were better than the AFC, but is the AFC having more parity, making them just as strong? I think, you know, it's, it's starting to look that way mm. uh, a little bit now. You know, certainly the, the, the Ravens are a good team. We know that the Chargers are a little bit up and down. Buffalo with a shocking loss yesterday, um, you know, and I think below them it gets kind of questionable. I think, you know, all of a sudden the Raiders are, are imploding with, you know, player character uh, situations. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, you know, when you look at a game last night, uh, the, the Rams and the Titans, everybody kind of figured the Rams were, were very possibly one of the two best teams in the league, maybe right there with, with Arizona and, and, you know, possibly Green Bay, Tampa Bay, I guess, too. Uh, um but, uh, you know, when, when a, uh, a kind of a fringe elite team from the AFC, at least before last night, comes in and just pastes, um, you know, one of the NFC top teams, I think that does help the, the parity issue quite a bit. And all of a sudden the AFC looks a little bit better uh, than it did before the Titans kicked off against the Rams last night.
JG, good stuff, man. Uh, this team, top seed in the AFC right now, second seed in the NFL, and they're doing it with all kinds of people injured and tape and duct tape and barbed wire and everything. It's just been crazy to watch, but, uh, man, they just keep getting it done. They are getting it done, and, and you know, they've gotten through this gauntlet now, and you, and you look at the schedule ahead, you know, certainly it gets much easier. You know, it's hard to find games in which you'd say the Titans are – are definitely not going to be favored. You think maybe at Pittsburgh, you know, might be a situation there. Maybe at New England, maybe. Um, but aside from that, you know, the, the Titans, I think, are, are certainly going to be favorites uh, the rest of the way and, and have the uh, possibility, if they can, you know, put some life into that offense, uh, of, of really turning this into something special here. Yeah, watch the heck out. Hey, uh, thank you, JG. People can follow John at Glennon Sports or uh, SI.com covering the Titans beat. Thank you, sir. Okay, thanks, guys. Yes, sir. JG referenced uh, Titans injuries. I didn't catch this in the game broadcast last night, but apparently there was a stat that NBC Sports gave about the Titans and history and injuries. This season? Yes. Uh Like, from an all-time standpoint. I'll share it next. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Big win for the Titans. Big win for the Vols. High school playoffs continue. Uh, Man, it is just a magical time of the year right now if you're a football fan. Uh, This is some magic that Mike Grable's pulled off. I'll ask you, Lucas, did you see this or, Blaine, did you see this? Because multiple people have tweeted about it. And Tic Tac Titans, who is the uh, Locked on Titans podcast guide, uh, Tyler, I saw that he tweeted this as well. Uh, Great stat by Sunday Night Football on NBC, and this was another reporter, uh, an NFL reporter I saw. This was his tweet. Great stat by Sunday Night Football on NBC. The Titans have used 77 players this season, 10 away from the single-season record, halfway through the season. Reflecting on all their injuries. Yes, they've used 77 different people in a game. That's 10 away from the record. And I I searched Sunday Night Football's account, I searched every account that I could find, and I, I can't find video of, of you know Chris Collinsworth or somebody saying it. But multiple people took that information and, and put it back out. Mm. I so, did not see it. Did you see seven, it? Seven. So if that if that's true, they've used seven. And we could do the math. We could go back and look at all the rosters. Right, it would take us a minute, but it, it uh, would. I wouldn't be shocked if that's the case. I, I wouldn't either. That's why I thought this is probably true. I mean, Bobby Hart's out there starting at left tackle for you. So this is also guys who are on active, inactive, regardless if they're player or not. This is the practice squad included in this measurement. You think are just the the actual roster? I bet it's just. I bet it's roster. I bet it's actually on the fifty-three man. That was what it. That's what it would have to be. Seventy-seven on the fifty-three. That's what makes all this so remarkable. Yeah. Have how they manage through this, and that shows you they're developing not only the starters, but the backups and making them stay in tune to the game plan because you're one step away and keep those guys engaged because there's a point in time when you're the backup, you feel like I'm only going to be the backup. You, you're paying attention, but you're not paying attention as though you're the starter. Right. And to keep those guys engaged and knowing there's a possibility uh, that you could play right away, the good players that are backups, they, they pay attention to detail because you just don't know and you want to get that opportunity. You want to be prepared. I've seen guys not prepared and get cut the next week just because they weren't in tune to the game plan, wasn't paying attention. So that happens all the time.
And, uh, you know, one thing that I keep getting tweeted, and I, I don't know the answer to this, so I have to answer it in this manner. When a lot of uh, Jim Swartz conversations talking about implementing some of his game plan and this and that, I have no idea what role Swartz has. Uh, Coach Swartz, uh, who coached, uh, you know, he was there with me, for, I don't know, at least five years. He was D.C. my last year. Uh, his role is besides uh, giving advice and, you know, coaching up and, you know, maybe, uh, you know, helping everyone out on the defensive staff. So I have to give all the credit to Shane Bowen. Mm -hmm. I, I can't, you know, without having any knowledge of what he's actually doing besides just what everybody else is doing as far as implementing and uh, giving advice mm -hmm. to not only Bowen but to Vrabel as well. And if they decide to use it or not, they can decide, eh, yeah, we like it, but we, we don't want to do that. Right. Cool. All right, great. So I don't know how much impact he's had. I think the impact is what they've said all offseason based off their moves, and that's the organization, is we needed better players, mm -hmm. and they got them, and they are hunting. And we, we're not even seeing a full-fledged Dupree yet. No. He, he, he was on a rotation as far as playing time, but he's starting to look healthier and healthier the more I watch him. And so once that happens, oh, like, it's, it's over. That that will be the group that takes us to the promised land. And then hopefully by then the offense starts clicking with the three-headed monster at running back, and then uh, maybe Julio becomes more of an impact than what he's doing now if he stays healthy. Uh, Steve in Smyrna has wanted to join the Titans discussion for a minute here. Uh, Steve, we appreciate your patience. Thanks for calling. Steve, what's up, man? Hey, I just want to say first that uh, I listen to you guys in 104.5 Zone all the time when I'm out and around in the sales route. And y'all keep me uh, informed and educated and uh, quite often entertained. Yeah. I got to bring it up, Lane. I think a week or two ago you were talking about something and you mentioned that something was as hot as fried fish grease or something like that, man. <laughs> Dude, I laughed all the way home and I still remembered it today. It's funny, funny, funny. What I wanted to talk about just for a minute, not necessarily just, you know, Rabel and coaching, which they're just, man, they're so freaking good right now, what they're doing and the decisions they're making. But, man, I want to I want to shout out Amy Adams Strunk at the very top. Was, was it uh, Amy who went out and got John Robinson, or was that prior to her? Oh, no, it was Amy. It was Amy. Well, so Amy got John. Mm -hmm. Them together went out and got Vrabel. Mm -hmm. And Vrabel, who lost his, you know, his coordinator last year, has got, is it Bowen that's our coordinator now? Offensive coordinator. Yeah, Shane, anyway, Shane, Bo Shane, Shane offensive coordinator. Yeah, defense. And Downing. Yeah, Bowen and Downing. Yeah. Yes, you know, Downing, Downing. And, and, but at any rate, man, like you said, you stole a little of my thunder with the 77 players. And, yeah. you know, we've got so many. I was looking at the field last night, and I thought, who in the hell is Brewer? <laughs> <laughs> like, I, and I follow the Titans. I'm, I'm yeah. leading Jim Wyatt. I'm listening to you guys all day. I'm Titans everything, right? I'm a big fan. Yeah. And I'm like, who is Brewer? We have so many men out there on that field, and these coaches have gotten them prepared and ready and told them how heavy a weight it is for them to be out there and to perform. And, man, I feel like we're beating some of these really top-tier teams with our second-string players. It's yeah. unbelievable, and the whole city's on fire right now, excited for the Titans because they're winning like they're winning with next man up, right? Yeah, man. Appreciate the call, Steve, for sure. Yeah, that's hats off to, you know, not only the players but the coaching staff. I mean, it's hard for us to keep up with who's active and not and who's up. I, I think Brewer was – he was injured for a while there. He missed a month. Yeah, and then he came back and then – on IR. 
Yeah. He came back, practiced yeah. three days, and was like, hey, dude, you starting to guard. That's why I'm always trying to keep track because I, I lose track because it happens so much. This oh, Bobby season. Hart, we we had to think last night to pull his name. It's yeah. like, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, the yeah, other I called guy. him something else at first. I don't know what I We said. got there. Eventually. Yeah, but eventually. <laughs> the next go round. Yeah, oh, yeah, Bobby Hart. Bobby Hart. Yeah, because I was watching a game, and I was, I was like, where? I remember I text you guys and said, where's Lawan? Because we're we're here and not on the field in L.A., so we're, we have no idea what's going on. And he was on the graphic package for NBC As to start Lawan, mm-hmm. which means that's who the Titans said. They don't just look and see who runs out and type in their name. That's all given to them yeah. by the PR people right. for the Titans. So they told him Lawan's starting, and then Lawan didn't start. Oh. Hey, Bobby Hart. Hey, man, get stretched out, dude. I, I, well, you know what? How about this? Bobby Hart, they put a, could have showed his name, but he would not have been a one a person that they interviewed asked in the college or high school or wherever, whatever he wanted to say. They probably had no graphic of that, like no. him saying anything. Meanwhile, everybody else, you know, got a shot of that. So he probably wasn't even on there. It would have been like a Twitter egg. Yeah, it just yeah. would have been his face, and this is, you know, air, you know, a Bobby Hart. All right, we'd run downstairs, snap the cell phone pic of him. Yeah, they, they, man, they might not even know what computer. school he went to. <laughs> hey, somebody tell us which one is Bobby Hart. We got about the Twitter eggs. We need a picture. Twitter <laughs> eggs. <laughs> put up a Twitter <laughs> egg when they introduce. We're not, hey, we're not busting on you, Bobby Hart. You had a tough game. Hey, man, assignment. I appreciate what he did. You held it. I you really, held it really as did. well as you could, I man. I know people going to get, oh, tell he was horrible and this and that, man. He was playing, I mean, at the last minute, he was prepared. And did he play great? No, but I appreciate Players on his team, they are going to love this guy. Yeah. Just because they know how hard it is to do what he did mm-hmm. at a premier position now. That's, they put their best pass rushers right there going against a guy that nobody knows. So he thinks, oh, man, I'm about to have a field day. He was thinking like Simmons had a field day and a half. Well, guess what? That guy didn't have a field day against him. They may have won some, yeah, but they didn't have a field day. And I, I think that's commendable, and I think you can build on that. I really do. I hadn't played a game in the NFL this season until a couple of weeks ago, Bobby Hart. Yeah, uh, yeah that's, that's what makes the season special when guys just pick it up and do their thing. Yeah, we come back. Uh, people are on the phone want to talk about this. We'll get back to the Mark Spain Real Estate Hotline. Just hold. We'll get back to you in the next uh, segment. Also got our ding-dong of the week coming up in hour number two, so get your ding-dong ready as well. It's Blade and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Who's a ding-dong?